Thank you for tuning in to Carbondale Historical Society's podcast. This episode is part of our This I Remember audio archive. This archive are interviews conducted in the 1980s and 90s by Mary Ferguson, a longtime resident of Carbondale, born in Spring Gulch. These interviews aired on Katie and Kay and were recently donated to the Historical Society by Mary's descendants. The Historical Society wants to thank Katie and Kay, Seven Stars Rebecca Lodge Number 91, Alpine Bank and Meredith and Dan Bullock Ferguson's family, as well as the many other donors and volunteers who came together to save these tapes and make them forever available to our Carbondale community. Enjoy. This I remember, Mary Ferguson, Katie and Kay Carbondale. Tonight, my guest is Portia Carlson Sterrett. She has lived in this valley a long time. She's worked in Aspen. She's worked at, she works at the college now. So she knows this valley quite well and has a lot of good memories to share with us. Portia, when did you first come to Carbondale? In 1959. That's quite a while ago. Yes, over 30 years. Well, I remember when you brought your kids to school and uh, I've known them and they've grown up and I've lost track of them for that matter. These kids grow up and go away. <laughs> That's true. Mine so, all. Um, I only have two left here in the valley and the rest are in Denver and California. So uh, I suppose they all, they come back every so often. As I say, you blink your eyes twice and they're out of high school. <laughs> I think that's the truth. Tell us about some of your experiences in the valley. Didn't you build your home when you first came here? Yes, we built our own home, and my youngest son, Leaf, thought everybody built their own home. And uh, when we were building our roof, why, my husband and um, my uh, daughter were on top uh, mopping it, and uh, uh, Leaf and I were building up the fire and melding the tar, and Eric was running up and down the ladder with the... So it was a family affair. <laughs> it certainly was. So. And we um, started out with one little building, and uh, we had silver paper insulation on it, and it had the name of the insulation. And I thought, I'll never, ever forget that, because I looked at it for over a year. Now I can't remember the name of oh, it. That, that's not <laughs> unusual. <laughs> uh, you also had a name for your home. Yes, we called it the Wooden Horse. That was a symbol of um, the Swedish little horse. They come in sizes from about two inches long until uh, three feet high. They were painted a beautiful, what they call Swedish red, which is sort of an orange colored and hand painted by hand. And it was a symbol of uh, the best of any kind of craft work. And they used to bring it to the fair and exchange it either for money or for other uh, goods. Interesting. Yes. Well, the first time I went to your house, you had an open house and had invited all of Carbondale. And I thought, how unusual. Your hors d'oeuvres, your luncheon was just absolutely fantastic. Everybody was commenting on the uh, originality that you had shown then. You remember all that? Uh, <clears throat> what I do remember is that when I was in college, I got engaged to my husband, who was Swedish, and his mother thought, you, you want a person through their stomach. 
So she said, do you know how to cook? And I said, no, I do not. And she said, well, the first thing you do is go out and take a cooking class. <laughs> and I've been cooking ever since. And I think I learned some of the uh, smorgasbord ideas from my mother-in-law. She oh, was I think you did. Quite good at setting a beautiful table. You lived there quite a long time with the wooden horse. Uh, yes, we did. We first started out with a little shed, that, and we'd come up on weekends to build the house, and uh, we kept our tools in the shed so we didn't have to bring them up every weekend. And we found that whenever we wanted somebody to help us, like, you know, put on a roof or put up beams or help with the electrical or the plumbing, <coughs> and the people in the valley preferred to go hunting or they preferred to go bird. Uh, it was pheasant season or bird season or it was fishing time and we <laughs> never could get anybody to help us. So we decided we would always be uh, doing it all ourselves. So we brought friends with us and they helped us build the house. And <coughs> that little shed became a two-holer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my children said, uh, don't ever tell any of our friends that we have a two-holer because they didn't think that was <laughs> the proper thing to do. And I said, well, I won't tell any of your friends, but I'll bet you a thousand dollars that you tell every one of your children how you uh, used to have to go to the outhouse to uh, take care of your business. But we went swimming every single day, so we that's how we kept clean. Well, that's great. I went to school at Spring Gulch, and we had a three-holder, a little one, a middle-sized one, and a big one. That was quite a quite an event, and after the Mine closed and the school closed. I went up there one time just, just to go there. And here was that board out there in the open with those three holes <laughs> out <laughs> to the sun. <laughs> Did you use a Sears Roebuck catalog? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what we had to dig up. <laughs> we also used the Sears and Montgomery Ward catalog by cutting out paper dolls. Oh. We, we lived close to a clay bank and we could build clay furniture and stuff and we'd cut out all the pretty dresses and suits in the catalog and that was our family. Oh, that sounds like a so, fun way uh, to well, that was increase your family. Time ago. That was in the, oh, in the teens <laughs> and here we are in the 90s. Uh, tell us of some of your experiences in Aspen and also at the college. Um, well, at first, I uh, worked at the library, and uh, I asked Arvetta if... Uh, Arvetta Clayton. Ar Arvetta Clayton, yes. And I said, how long have you been here? And she says, oh, I'm a newcomer. I've been here 52 years. So since I've only been here 33, I guess I haven't made it past the newcomer stage either. But um, I used, um, there was a bus that went to Aspen, and I didn't have a car, so it was easier for me to get to Aspen than it was to Glenwood. So I took the bus every day to Aspen, and I worked for first uh, uh, lawyers, Jimmy Moore, um, Francis and Van Domlin were their names. <coughs> and uh, I enjoyed that very much. And then after uh, they decided to part their ways, then I went to... Uh, Aspen Valley Realty, which was ru run by Bob and Jean Cutting. And uh, 
in those days, if a condo didn't sell in two weeks, then we raised the price almost double, and then it would generally sell. <laughs> That's something. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so many, well, of our kids in school, they thought, well, their mother's a lawyer because you were working for a lawyer, and they thought you were also a lawyer. I did. My mother was a lawyer. As one of the first lawyers in Chicago in 1930s. And I went to law school at the University of Illinois and graduated from law school, but I never took the um, bar exam. You have to take it in yes. the state in which you wish to practice. And uh, I was married at the time, and we had uh, honeymooned here in Colorado and decided to come to Colorado. And so we came here, and I started having children, and I never did take the bar exam. Well, I know the kids always said, well, my mother's a lawyer, and we took it for face value. You were a lawyer as far as we were concerned. <laughs> well, I do have a law degree. Yeah, <laughs> so. yes. And now at the college, what are you doing at CMC? <clears throat> I work in the student services, and uh, we handle discipline problems. We handle registration. We handle admissions. Uh, counseling for students that are having problems, um, whether it be financial or personal problems. And I'm also in charge of off-campus housing because uh, many of the students are uh, non-traditional and uh, some of the students go to animal health training and they want to bring dogs, cats, pigs, whatever they have that they can't part with. And so I try to find Home uh, rooms for them in uh, people's homes in Carbondale, preferably, or Glenwood. Sometimes I have to place them as far as Newcastle or Rifle because um, either the price is not right or they have too many dogs and cats and we can't handle them. <laughs> that's, that's strange. Yes. They have quite a vet. A complex up there. Yes, it's, they uh, do. We, uh, they're well known. They're one of the uh, best in the United States. Our students have always, all but one, have always passed their that their exam on the first try. That's great. That's a record, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Dr. Vanderhurst yes. has been responsible for that. Dr. Carger, Laura Vandine. Dr. Vanderhurst is one of our council members. Yes. And he is a great person. That's right. He told me every so, day, be sure to vote. <laughs> well, I'm glad well, we did vote. Our vote wasn't as great as I thought it would be. No. But uh, people don't have time to vote. Either that or so. they don't seem to be tuned in to the voting times. So, or it's disinterest, perhaps. Probably. Think you let the other fellow do it. Yeah. So, well, when you built the uh, your home, yes. there were only one or two houses along that stretch of road. Now, look at the houses that you have there. That's right. We bought it from um, John Cerise, or John Cerise had sold it to Mr. Johnson, whom we bought it from. And there were just two houses on the opposite side of the street, one of which uh, Alita Burns and her family lived in. And then we lived on the other side, and we we had children all on the same years. She and just continued to have more after I quit. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, 
there's going to be houses all the way. All the way. Grand Junction to Aspen. was nothing. Algebra was just a couple of farms. That's right. And now and look at it. Mm -hmm. Now it's a village of its own. That's right. I understand yeah. they're even going to have a city market. Yes. <laughs> so and, I, uh, that's big city stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's going to hurt basalt and it probably will hurt Carbondale also. That's right. But I think it'll hurt Glenwood more because people just, when they go to Glenwood, why they go down for all kinds of things. Of course, the Algebels in Eagle County, which is at a disadvantage for them. Because uh, we service Algebel, we service Marble and Redstone, and they're all in different counties. Isn't that amazing? If you well, look at the map, you know, you can understand yes. how it happened, but it uh, seems so strange that we have all those different counties. Well, you know, Beulah Sterrett told me one time the way uh, we decided the uh, boundary of uh, Garfield County, a farmer turned his pig loose, and then he turned his dog loose, and wherever the dog chased the pig, that was Garfield County, <laughs> and it all the way, and went all the way to Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a fast dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that was her version of Garfield County. Yes, you but, know, there uh, were um, 600 people in Carbondale when I moved here. So. And uh, now there's 3,000. And no, almost 4,000. And um, my son was in the largest graduating class they'd ever had, and there was 30 in his class. There was four in mine. Four in yours. And then a couple of years ago, they had 64 graduating seniors. Is that right? So, so just... Amazing how it's jumped. It's, it's grown and Carmel's growing every day. But we hope it'd be good growth and that we can keep our uniqueness. Yes, well, we originally moved here because of the creativeness of the people that were here. My husband was an artist and I, I wanted to write books. And while my husband, uh, the children and I would stay here during the week and I would work right on my book at night after the children gone to bed and when he came home why he would he had to be busy about building the house so he didn't get to paint but he we hung a lot of his paintings in the house that's great yes so but we thought this was a creative place to be more so than aspen or glenwood it seemed like the people in the valley in this valley accepted those people who are creative. We are still accepting them. We yes. have a lot of artists coming here. Yes. I remember when Mary Fastenero uh, first started out. She used to come to the library and get books on Escher. And uh, she just started out from that very small beginning to being one of the best uh, glass People, well, people we have now. And at one time, the uh, library was in this building, this Dinkle building downstairs. That's right, and I that, remember that's it there. When, uh, <laughs> then um, later on, we moved over to the building that we have now. Right. Well, Beulah always tells me that she um, used to uh, go around and she uh, tried to get people to contribute to the uh community church 
and then she said it was probably less than a year or so later she went around and tried to get people to contribute to the library yes <laughs> and they, she said well now what do you want they people thought she was the the fundraiser for everything now we want a community center yes and a town hall that's and right of course it's the growth that we have we have to have a more space yeah and uh, more of the facilities that the town provides well in regards to the library this was the first place that had a great books club yeah. and um, Aspen didn't have one Glenwood didn't have one so if you wanted to be in the great book series you had to come to the library here in Carbondale as I remember the great book group because of the discussions they would have whenever they met anywhere else or with anyone else of the books that they had read. Yes. They were some <laughs> tough ones. <laughs> and you know what bothers me now? They turn on TV instead of reading. Well, that was one of the things when um, w we lived in Denver and I told the children there'd be no TV and there'd be uh, no movies. And did they, they had to vote on whether they wanted to move to Carbondale. And they all voted yes. And we played a lot of Monopoly. And we went swimming a lot. And uh, the children joined 4-H. That's great. So we had uh, a really good time, even though we didn't have TV. <laughs> well, we had our first radio and our first TV. But before then, we would read to the kids or they would read to us or they were would have uh, some activities working on all oh, the kids love to work with leather things of that course of course they were they all had horses and their horses had to have special bridles and halters and things like that so they were busy all the time yes well my children uh were promised that they could have a horse and before it was over each one of them had a horse and we had a Shetland Pony. Whenever the local children came, if they um, didn't know how to ride a horse, <laughs> our pony knew that, and he would just go around in circles. He'd take his head to his tail and just go around in a little tiny circle and wouldn't ever take him anywhere. But my son Arnie uh, loved to ride horses, and he would take him everywhere and anywhere he wanted to go. We had a Shetland Pony, and kids could get on that pony from the ears to the tail. But you take one adult and try to get on, and you got bucked off. He would not let a, an adult ride him. I always thought they were pretty smart. <laughs> but they were a little bit on the ornery side, too. They're, uh, they are, really. We uh, had uh, our pony up there on the ranch on North Thompson Creek. And uh, I thought one day when we were going to cross Thompson Creek, I didn't want to get wet. I thought, well, I'll ride that pony across. I did, right to the middle, and off he pitched me into that cold water. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> so I didn't try to ride him anymore. It was uh, a lesson that I learned. And after that, my brother threatened to kill him several times. He says, you won't let me ride him. I have to lead that damn pony down the trail. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about falling in the ditch. 
or in the water. Uh, we had a ditch that ran out in front of our house, and the children were challenged by this ditch. So uh, my children built a raft, and they thought they were um, Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer or someone, you know. So they would all ride down the ditch on this uh, raft, and we taught Arnie to uh, swim, too. And then they uh, rigged up uh, a rope in the trees, and they would play Tarzan and go across the ditch, you know, and enjoyed that activity, too. But Arnie fell in the ditch one time, and he just laid back on his back, and we ran down to the next bridge and caught him. We were so glad he knew how to to swim because he wasn't panicked at all. He just relaxed and away he went. <laughs> well, we thought it was a better idea to teach our children how to do things rather than keep them away from dangers. How so to cope much with better. So, and uh, do you have uh, any? Uh, extra exciting experiences at the college. Oh, at the college. Uh, I've seen it grow from a big college to a small college, and then it keeps growing up again, you know. And uh, I used to work for John Wubin. Yes. I was his secretary, and uh, he was born on November 14th, and he always said he looked for somebody who was born on his birthday. That was the reason he hired me, because... <laughs> We had the same birthday. <laughs> but And then we had a basketball team at one time, and Jackie Thompson's son yes. was on our basketball team. Oh, yes. And we've had ski uh, teams, but uh, now we just have one ski team that meet, is over at Steamboat, and we have no basketball, but we have intramural sports. Oh. But um, I was going to tell you one story that was very interesting when we were uh, building our house. It was so funny. We had these two Korean, we had a, a Korean friend who was married to a Swedish boy. And uh, her sister, he had met her in Hawaii. Her sister came over from Hawaii and she had never been camping. So she begged us to take her sister up and go camping. So we brought her up to go camping and she said, now if you buy all the supplies, we'll cook for you the whole time we're up here. So we went out and bought a lot of rice and a lot of um, beef and pork that they wanted to cook with. And we had rice for breakfast and rice for lunch and rice for supper. And we'd always say, well, now, when, when do we eat? And she says, whenever the lice is letty. And she'd pick up the lid, you know, look at. So after three days of this, my husband uh, gave me a nudge, and he said, you get up. And he said, if you want to stay married to me, you better make <laughs> eggs and potatoes and bacon and real live American food. <laughs> or I'm not ever going to eat another rice meal in my life. <laughs> so I always remember that as part of our fun experiences with the building of our house. And uh, we had another friend who had never been cam um, camping before, and we said, well, it never rains when you camp. <laughs> and sure enough, that's the only time I ever remember it raining when it, we were camping is when my friend came after we'd promised her no rain. She finally moved up. Her name was Colleen Schaefer. And she became, uh, 
she worked in the sheriff's office with the dispatcher. All our friends moved out, Phyllis Needens and her husband and and uh, Colleen and her husband moved out and family. So we brought a lot of people with us too. They all right. fell in love with Carbondale. That's it. And Von Sopris. Although you can't see Von Sopris today. Although there was, uh, it was clear for a little while and you could see Sopris. But yesterday it looked like we had a well, a big soup bowl over our heads. There wasn't a, a sign of sky anywhere. It was just gray. You know, when <clears throat> Mount Sopris disappears, I get disoriented. I can't tell where South is anymore. And especially yeah. at the college, it doesn't face exactly South. So when it goes away, I get real disoriented. But Well, you know, Sopris to me is in the north. It because I think of going up, up to Sopers, and you go up to the north, <laughs> and you go down south. <laughs> but anyway, I know better than that. Yeah. Although I had a student one time, after he graduated and went into the service, and he came back to the schoolroom, and he says, Mrs. Ferguson, change that map. He says, you've got it all wrong. He said, put the north up here and put the south down there. So I did. I changed the map on the schoolroom wall because after he had traveled to Japan and to Europe and all, I, his uh, directions were entirely different than what they were in this little village of Carbondale. Right. I had a terrible time when I first moved here. Um, you know, the road from Denver is north and south, and then mm -hmm. it seems like you turn going uh, west. East and west, I mean, yes. it seems like you turn south when you leave Glenwood. And so um, I kept saying, the sun's coming up in the south. I just, I, it's got itself all mixed up. <laughs> I knew it was in the east, but it didn't feel that way to me because that road curves around so often, you know. But well, we used to go to Denver, and when we started out somewhere, we said, we're going the wrong direction, and we'd go downtown and start over again. So that we were going in the right direction. And my kid says, well, head west. <laughs> well, that's the only town I haven't been lost in, Mira. I used to get lost every day of my life in St. Louis. And uh, when I was in Denver, I could just look at the mountains and know they were in the west. So, but I could, I could get lost up here real easily. <laughs> well, our time is disappearing. You have been listening to Porsche. Starrett on KDNK, Carbondale. And uh, I'm happy to have you with us tonight. We'll have you back again one of these days. Thank you, Mary. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to another fantastic installment of This I Remember by Mary Ferguson. For the full archive of all of the episodes, please visit carbondalehistory.org. If you would like to be able to search through the entire transcription library of all of her episodes, please email info at carbondalehistory.org. Thanks so much. Stay tuned. Subscribe.